Jennifer Loomis, I am so delighted that we get to have this time together today. Thank you for coming. Absolutely, Roxanne. We go way back. <laughs> you are the first photographer, and that makes the most sense because you are incredible at capturing pregnancy, birth, families. You've just done such a magnificent job. And in my office, I always had the book that you produced that told real life stories, captured not just all the happy, yeah, life is, life is easy and perfect, but captured real stories that I could have my family's access uh, mm -hmm. for just the capturing the beauty of every person's experience. It's, so that's why I'm so delighted you're here today. <laughs> I did tell you this being midwife after hours, the one thing, the one place we begin is, how did you ever find out about midwives and what have midwives done? Welcome, I'm Roxanne Spring, your personal midwife after hours, celebrating and promoting wisdom and power in pregnancy, birth and beyond. to have with us today Jennifer Loomis. She holds a, her master's in photojournalism that she received at the University of Missouri, the School of Journalism. And she's also been the Visual Communication Fellow and faculty member of the Pointer Institute for Media Studies. She taught Seattle Central Community College and she was a guest teacher at the Fry Art Museum Women's and Arts Program and the Los Angeles Center of Photography. Her photography's earned numerous awards. She actually has two published books in addition to being featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, Seattle Times, and on CNN, ABC, and NPR. You've got all those initials going on there. We are fortunate enough in this area that this is where she has her studio, Jennifer Loomis Studio. Uh, I had the opportunity to be there with my daughter and it is amazing to have her expertise on the job with you. She was very avant-garde uh, nude women photography was not a thing. And the reason that it was not a thing, particularly a pregnancy, I mean, it was not a thing because predominantly things were all left in the male world. But thankfully, Jennifer Loomis has brought the divine feminine into our day. And now it's quite a genre, as you'll hear, as she tells us her story today. Thank you for being with us, and let's get going. It's meant to you in your journey. 
I mean, so it's a great question. And especially for one for me, because midwives changed my life. Mm. I was a, I had photographed one pregnant woman at that point, And I was in graduate school and I basically discovered midwives and midwifery in the middle of Missouri. And I was like, wait a minute, you mean there's an alternative? You mean there's like somebody that's empowering women and somebody that's allowing women to have births any way they want and medication free and are looking at it as a natural process. And I was, I don't know, was I 30? Um, and I, it blew my mind. I mean, and that's, that's, this is what, 20 years ago. And I, and I said, I have to know more. And so I went out into the, you know, rural Missouri and I found a midwife who was uh, open to me following her. And remember, this is in Missouri where there were like sheriffs coming and arresting them. And there was the lay midwives and AC, what was it ACM, American College of Midwifery. There's a lot of variations of midwifery, which I sort of started to learn about, but I, um, I started to attend births uh, and photographing the births and it was mystical and magical. And as soon as that baby was crowning, I was crying and fogging up my viewfinder um, <laughs> as I'm trying to take pictures with film, remember, this is back in the day. And wow. there was water births and there was these incredible moments and it led me into this space of how sacred the pregnant woman is and how the the uterus and the womb is this holding place between whatever your heaven is that you believe and this place called earth and this consciousness now. I get shivers when I think about it. And I thought about how midwifery empowers women. And that's when... I thought I can empower women too. Oh, what a magnificent story. Oh. I That's how I got started. I looked at all these pictures of these women hunched over and hiding and hovering. And I thought, wow, you know, I had studied so much nude women art, right? And there was never a pregnant woman. There's one pregnant fresco in Italy. One. Just one. Amazing. Madonna del Parto. And it's become sort of a pilgrimage point for women trying to have babies. I had a big show, retrospective show in an adjacent uh, village a few years ago. But empowering women during one of these, one of the most important transitions in their life, mm -hmm. the transition from woman to mother, right? Because exactly. when a baby is born, so is a mother. In a way, I mean, we can all be mothers, and there's many other ways to become a mother, but that is one of the bigger transformations. And if I look at my work over the years, it is really about capturing this transformation and assisting with it, right? And as I've grown as a photographer in 30 plus years now, I have incorporated that into my process where I have a conversation with them before our shoot and allow them to kind of contemplate this transition this transformation it's not a, it's more of a transformation in my opinion and many of them start to think about it 
Right. Exactly. It, and they become more conscious. And that is really where we come together so beautifully because mm -hmm. raising consciousness specifically to the power that's intended for a woman to experience as well as that baby you know the whole family really it's such an amazing time for the whole family and every time a baby is born into the family which you've captured so beautifully with so many families in uh, how the family becomes new again they are a new entity they are not just the same one and they've added someone no it's all kind of discovering a whole new way of connecting one with another yeah oh yeah beautiful beautiful and you've been doing this work then for all this time tell us about your journey there and as a photographer well i mean it started in 1994 Right, that was when I did my first one, and um, I got referred by Benny Leibovitz's uh, studio because a friend worked there. Long story, but she knew I had photograph. I was photographing nudes of women at the time, mm -hmm. and I I didn't know much about the academic side of the male gaze and all that, but I knew that there weren't enough women photographing women um, because I think we look at it in a different way. Um, and we have different, as I've learned through years, uh, gaze. Um, mm. We gaze at the female in a different way than the male gazes at the female. And I think uh, that goes back to, you know, covens and the women supporting the women. And it's still done in many cultures when a woman has a baby, the women come in. Mm -hmm. They care for her and they empower her and they lift her up and they, you know, support her, which is something we don't have in our culture. And I think that leaves a lot of women isolated and alone. But that's a side note. But so I started to do these women. And when I first saw them, my first pregnant belly, I was really taken because I'd been doing nudes of women. And I thought, wow, this is so interesting. Look at how the, you know, just from a purely aesthetic perspective look at how the body has opened up and and grown and how the muscles are moving and how how the back has shaped itself and you know how the mom stands and let's try to open up her heart a little bit let's try to create a lift and an empowered look and create some awareness of what she's in fact doing and contributing to our society and i used to say you know Pregnant women are so important to our society, they should all have free parking, you know? Um, and, and, and these are the, the women who are bringing in the future beings that will take care of the planet, right? And exactly. they are treated kind of like crap a lot of the time. So my thought was I'm trying to create a space, at least in the studio, for a few hours where these women are like, I hate the word, but like goddesses, you know, it's a little cliche, but where they're... You know, I'm here taking care of you. You know, mm -hmm. I'm here to make you see how beautiful you are. I'm here to help you create something that's going to capture this major transformation in your life. And over the years, that has evolved. Um, you know, at first, it was really about me, <laughs> frankly. Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to do this. I'm into this. There's nobody else doing this. I want women to look at the at, and society to look at the pregnant 
form as a beautiful thing that can be gazed at, you know? And then I would say, as I grew as a photographer, I saw more and more women coming out feeling beautiful, right? So that's a second payoff, right? Like at first I was like, it's about me. I want to challenge society. You know, let's be this radical that I like to think I am, at least back in the 20s and my 30s. And then, you know, it became, whoa, look at the major impact you're having on this person. And how do they carry that forward in their life and the people that they impact? So there's more and more of an impact. And um, because back in the beginning, I wanted to have an impact by getting in the media, right? Like I was like, if I can get this form out there, people will see it as beautiful, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, I got a lot of pushback, you know? <laughs> like, whoa. You know, even my grandmother back in the day, whoa, you're still doing that. That's scratched the head, you know, are you still taking photos of those things? So then it became about them, right? Yeah. And uh, that that rode for a while. And, and all of these themes are still present, right? Even in my current work in my 50s. But um, then it started to become about the kids. Right. Which is interesting um, because the children had a sense of strong sense of validation <laughs> in staring at the photo of them yes. inside their mother. Yes. Even my son at seven, you know, yes. and he, when he was younger, he would claw in my shirt. I have a photo of me pregnant with him and I very open to him about his birth story. And he, the validation, as I think of these children that we treasure you to capture this moment for us and for you. And the same thing I believe with family photography. We believe in this family. We're going to capture this family and make pictures to preserve these times of love and, and, and sharing and connectedness. Because as we all know, they're not always present. And it's nice to have a reminder on the wall of why we do things. Why we do so you have said so much because you've been up to so much. It is no surprise of the progression as the woman becomes in her power. Mm-hmm. And typically it is surrounded by some loving family members, hopefully yeah. the partner and then maybe other women, as you have pointed out to those empowering experiences produce the kind of nurture that these children grow up with of being that same level of respect, that same level of acknowledging. And frankly, the baby inside the belly, it's their birth also. (laughs) So it is all interconnected. Mm -hmm. I really love the way that we are coming into women in power. Mm-hmm. And it is no surprise that that had to be preceded by your work and by that work to raise the consciousness. And I I know that you've had some, quite a bit actually, of, of public acclaim. Let, tell me a little bit about some of the awards that you've achieved and received, if you well, would. Um, hmm. I, I mean... Let's see. I don't know where to start. So I guess one of the most 
interesting was having a retrospective show of all my work in Italy in that adjacent town to the Madonna del Parto in Perugia, which is the sister city of Seattle. That was really interesting and empowering and invalid and validating for me. Um, my work puzzles the artistic community a little bit because it's a crossover in the sense that I make money from my clients, but I'm also striving to do creative work at the same time. So there is, it's a confusion for the art world, which is fine because I've kind of just said, you know, I don't care. I'm going to do what I do. You know, like I can't <laughs> be bothered with your portfolio reviews and stuff, but, um, I think that other awards that, you know, I mean, I think being in the Wall Street Journal when my mission was really to expose, bad use of a word, but to expose this shape and form and create uh, a viable genre because the Wall Street Journal basically was interested in the money, right? And that's yeah. great because as soon as I could show, oh, I'm making half a million bucks doing this or whatever, you know, at that time, mm -hmm. then people are like, what? Mm. You know, like, I can't tell you how many people I sat next to when I was flying back and forth first class to New York and San Francisco. And they're like, you do what? <laughs> you know, and this is the CEO of FedEx or whatever, you know, and, and you're, you're making money at this. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is something people want. And I have a viable life doing this and it's found um a real resonance in society and so once you see that as a as a viable uh business then what happens is the trickle down effect as other photographers started to understand mm -hmm. that and move into that space you know and um that was challenging at time uh, a little bit but then i was young and wasn't as wise as i feel like it took me about a year to be like, all right, people are copying your work, but that's okay. You know, um, let's think about community and let's think about how many other women are going to be served here because then you have a variety of different interests and a variety of different price points and a variety of different qualities, yes. you know. Yeah. And so that actually developed the genre of the maternity photography genre. And I, I take great pride in that um, because think of all the women who have benefited. And so other awards, you know, I got a small business hero award, which was kind of reward wonderful. I've been working with my business advisor for over 20 years. In fact, I just talked to him yesterday. Um, he helped this little artist go from like, Oh my God, I'm making money. What the heck do I do with this? How do I balance the accounts? And what is this to somebody who's actually financially, um, stable and viable and you know is able to as i am now take time off to work help my dad and um you know take care of my son so you know and he, he's just been there with me for everything through the thick and the thin of it when i was just was like i'm out you know there have been moments that i wanted to quit <laughs> but we can talk about that but you know i think awards i i you know i i think the biggest award was the media coverage, the media thinking this is interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I knew it was kind of a sexy thing, mm -hmm. but then we achieved the greater global goal, yeah. right? Challenging society's definition of beauty. I mean, it, co it co correlated with the, the fashion industry changing. I mean, it was, it was a good time. 
Mm -hmm. to really hit that. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, very, very, you were very avant-garde. You were very setting, setting the trend and yeah. being yeah. that pioneer. So wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, if I were to ask you what has been the most rewarding, because that clearly is not necessarily tied up with acknowledgement, you know, if in the inspiration that you had, you've been able to communicate how it has transitioned over time, how first it began with your vision, I would like to say, and then it began with seeking to see it in a broader, you know, worldwide adaptation. Mm -hmm. And all of this growth and development and where it's taken you has, seems to me, been very inspired all along the path. But was there a particular moment of feeling a certain rush of joy that you had really something really clicked in and made you delighted yeah i mean i call it the goosebump factor actually and i still get it in the studio sometimes most often you know i i find that and when i first did my first pregnant woman i was like whoa i got the goosebumps and mm -hmm. I always like to listen to that because when I get goosebumps, it's some universe, some higher force kind of telling me, stop, hold on. Mm -hmm. There's something valuable here. And um, I, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think, you know, the reward is the connection, right? Like, I can't make a photo if I don't like you. And I like you. Right. Like mm -hmm. I love people and I love their stories. And and they've all these women who have walked through my doors and the many different places that I've photographed and who I've connected with and who've shared their their demons or their stories or their victories or their losses with me have been the guides in my life. And so why mm -hmm. I started I wrote that book was I was like, oh my God, these these stories and and story is such a wonderful way to live our lives as we try to make sense of what's happening right and their stories and their thoughtfulness really never is lost on me it's always valued and i would say you know i still you know i'm not shooting 20 pregnant women a week anymore or whatever i mean um but it's those golden moments of goosebumps. Like I had a, a, a woman come in, you know, I think just last week and she has breast cancer. Mm -hmm. She's not pregnant. She came in with her dog, you know? Yeah. And the moments between her and this dog mm. was a rescue dog, you know? And, and, and that's, that's a story. It's the subtleties of our life and of our connections and our relationships that if you, if you don't, you can miss them, you know? I mean, it's a little creepy because I'm a photographer, right? So I know right away, like I, I'm weird that way, but I like look at dynamics and I see stuff really, it's become second nature to me to understand like, huh, how, how can I make, what can I find here, mm -hmm. right? That are going to be 
persevere and going to be treasured over time. You know, one of the things back on the topic of midwives that I, before I forget, I wanted to say is that because of what I did and because of I, I was interested in empowering women and because midwives did that too, mm-hmm. I had unfailing support from midwives. Like I, I went first when I would talk to OBs, they were like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> what, you're doing what, you know? Um, but it was the midwives who, and women who, you know, small shops, because I had no budget when I first got started. I just had those cards, you know, like the one you got. And um, it, I couldn't have been here. I would not be here without the power of mm-hmm. the collective power mm-hmm. and support of, you know, midwives, these mystical women who are so drawn to this work, mm-hmm. similar to me, right? Yes, exactly. Well, we did with my, one of my daughters, I have three, but with one of my daughters, we did have the privilege of going and having her be captured with with a photograph. I have to say there's one regret that I have, and that was that I did not choose to be part of a photograph with my daughter, with her one son inside i i really it was just a missed opportunity and i didn't really necessarily think about it at the time uh but the generational aspect of it is just so beautiful yeah Uh, yeah so anyway that was i didn't capture that moment but i remember the what you speak of with that focal point of drawing forth you know, midwives, that's what we do is help bring forth. And that's what you do as a photographer. You're bringing forth the essence, the goosebumps, yeah. the connection, the one that makes you all go, that's so awesome. Yeah. Right. I mean, and think of the word midwife, too. It can also be a verb. <laughs> yes, it is. I love about that, that idea. We're midwifing you know, connection with family members, with themselves, with their new baby, with whatever they need. Yeah, absolutely. Because they all show up with something. Yes. You know, they all need something. And that's same true for family photography, too. Mm-hmm. You know? it, and yeah. I'm, I'm hopefully I can provide it. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't, but I can try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have had a new endeavor and have a new book coming out. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, the essential workers? Yes. Yeah. So I I was given so I I heard about a project documenting essential workers during COVID and that it was a public art project for the city of Seattle and I hadn't ever done anything like that and was looking for something and just a new challenge you know and I and I got the grant and it was really exciting because it really married all my skit my my photojournalism degree and background and portrait and then it pushed me hard because I had to do color and I a lot of the people I photographed um were English wasn't their primary language there was that but what was really interesting to me about this was i took the same principle of empowering 
my client and I took it to a community level. So I asked the community in South Seattle, which is one of the more diverse codes in our state, to help me define essential worker. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I knew doctor, nurse, you know, we mm-hmm. have that, but there's a whole bunch of other people who are supporting the system um, to, to help us get to, uh, to keep us stable. And so I, as a stable, I guess, city, and so I had an amazing experience and I, I had a fire in my belly that I hadn't seen in a while, waking up at five o'clock and hunting a light and going and standing next to something, getting a guy back then who was an Uber driver and, you know, really just excited finding a bread baker and just talking to all these people about their story and what they were doing and how was it to be a nurse being on the front lines when nobody knew anything, you know, she wrote a letter to her daughters thinking she was not going to make it you know mm-hmm. could this be the mm-hmm. the virus that wipes mm-hmm. us out right like so mm-hmm. that was wonderful and so the the city i did the work for the city so the city purchased a bunch of images which will start showing up and so as far as the book goes i did a it's not i self-published uh one or two copies of the book because i needed that closure does that make sense? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so I have, I have that. It's, I'm very proud of that work. Very oh. proud of that work. It's a, and it's all the women, all the people are looking at me, and it's a very complex portrait. And I, I have a quote from a woman who I really admire, named Loyal Allie Burns. She's an artist in Seattle and has been here for a long time. And she said. Your work is powerful. Thank you for your brilliance. Stay aggressively brilliant and strong. And I have that hanging right here because, you know, the work with the pregnant women is is also very delicate, mm-hmm. right? And there's a mm-hmm. delicateness to it, but there's also a very a strength. Yes. So there's a dynamic. And so I looked at that with the essential workers and, you know, I had them staring at me and I had them psychologically. I wanted them in the space of mm-hmm. what it was like. And so when you look at those images, you can sense uncertainty. You can sense like the cover of the book, which is this woman who is a doc, a family med doc. She's a Latina and her child has bug bites all on her arms. Right. And she's holding her daughter and her son is grabbing her. And there's just this, oh, I get goosebumps. It was a goosebump thing. You know? wow, really? And now her daughter goes to school with my son. <laughs> wow. The same wow. Remarkable. Well, it definitely is something that I look forward to seeing around in the city. Yeah, um, yeah. That I is understand. that's mm-hmm. very captivating. But it reflects your commitment to community and the yeah. growth, and that is it's a beautiful tribute to that. No, and I I'm very believing with community. I think in the event of anything major. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. I think the only thing that's going to keep us alive is our community. Exactly. So the higher fences you build and the less you get to know your neighbors, that's going to suffer. And I worry about our community in Seattle. Mm. There's been a bit of erosion of that. So, but that's another thing. But I, I, do, I do love and need community. And we all do. I think yeah. that when we do, this has been such a, 
real paradox, actually, of having this pandemic because it's kind of isolating us while in at the same time demonstrating the need that we have of one another mm -hmm. in this uncertain times. So it's yeah. really, really challenging. It's so challenging and so hard. <laughs> oh it's so hard and so hard. Worst and so over it. Oh my god. <laughs> and <gasps> and but hence hence we we can collectively create more intentionally connecting with one another yeah. seeing that that is important and sometimes it takes something pretty doggone big to get our attention to say there's a lot of things not working the attitude that we don't have any control of them is not helping because we are co-creating so let's co-create something that we really want to live in <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah and i think we have to be a lot more creative yes yes you know about our gathering or I mean we've gotten a lot I, I was just talking to my assistant about or my assistant in New York about this but and you know there's been a real shift for many of us in our friends circles right mm -hmm. as we've become closer with some not as close with others as we it's really like a I don't know if it's a value call but it's like a a trust, right? Our, our whole notion of trust and mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean becomes uh, to the forefront as you're having to navigate something that's potentially lethal. Right. My nephew refers to it as his bubble. He has mm -hmm. his bubble, a bubble community or, you know, of friends and they're, they, they have that amongst them. They have those agreements and that sense of trust. And yeah, that is, that is, those are, those are levels of commitment that haven't been so much actualized in a casual way that we've related to each other's in the and each other in the past. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Well, tell me what, what do you see? I know that there are, I personally do know quite a few photographers, as you mentioned, once you've created this genre, then yeah. then the build it and they did come. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that you have that gratitude for that and the for the fact that so many families are being served by this. Oh, yeah. In photography, I have no idea how it how it flows or doesn't. But what do you have as a vision for what you would like to see in terms of that whole field of awareness? Oh, uh, I'm not clear on that question. Awareness of women or well yes because that's been well you have expanded as you've already shared you've expanded it to children and families if there yeah. was <clears throat> you know in the midwifery community there are as you mentioned before several different pathways and seven yeah. different ways that um in um settings that they are working in and yeah. a variety of that but trying to see how a unity uh, of, of the 
of those various pathways can make a big difference in how the world is perceived. Photography is universal, and yet there is, I mean, it's, it's a huge, it's a world. It's a world unto itself. I don't even know what I'm asking here. <laughs> it, with photography, what's the next step? Let's just go there for you. For me or for, for the you, whole For you. Let's start there. Unless you have something that is a bigger, broader picture. but Well, I think there's a big movement in photography. At least I see in the photograph photographic community of community over competition. It's sort of a mantra. And, and yes. you know, I was out of the loop for a little while having a baby. And I came back and I really liked what I saw, like big photo groups of referrals and people... Um, trying to you know people asking vulnerable questions talking about pricing and things like that that never really existed in the very beginning of the of when i started and i mean i don't know if it's fair to say but it was a pretty male-driven uh, mm. uh environment at the time and i would say now you have a good mixture of men and women i think there's a much lower barrier to entry with the digital photography so um you do see a lot of women picking it up. They like it. Um, it's easy and they can make good money and then they, they go forward with that or they don't um, if it gets too crazy. But um, I, I like that there is that kind of communal feel um, going on. That seems really lovely, actually. Um, I think when you have a lower barrier to entry, you also have um, varying degrees of uh, quality, and I don't think that's bad, actually. I think um, because everybody has a different aesthetic and a different eye, and some people notice things and others don't, and, you know, then you've got accessibility, then you've addressed the question of accessibility, right? Then it's accessible to everyone, um, and that is something that, you know, is very wonderful because of the empowerment that goes on. Uh, in families across the board. Um, I think uh, I think in photography itself, one of the, the sides that I'm a little concerned about is the messing with reality in a way mm -hmm. that I don't always think is what you want to do. In other words, like there's a lot of effects that are added to photos to create something that's a little bit Brighter than reality, and I concern my concern with that is you're creating a, a standard that can never really be achieved. Mm -hmm. Like you make a certain location look incredible, and then you go there, and it's not that great. And so I'm worried about that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I also am a photojournalist, so I don't like fucking with that stuff. Sorry, oh. <laughs> I don't. I want to. I want authenticity. Yes. I want real. I don't mm -hmm. want to. You know, take a, a, a drop a sun ray in there if it's not really there, or if I couldn't recreate it in my photos, right? Like I can use a filter to do that, so maybe that's okay. But I, I, I just I think we really need to just like I troubled with how they make women look and how all of a sudden it's been great. You're seeing all different types of bodies in uh, advertising now because mm -hmm. I think we want to make sure that reality is portrayed accurately and. As far as my own work, I don't know. I'm at a sort of a weird place in my life. I have, 
I mean, that sandwich generation. Yes. And, you know, I think I mentioned that my dad is about to pass away. Mm. Uh, so. I'm very preoccupied with making sure um, my son is raised as an empathic male. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very preoccupied with being the best parent I can be. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to learn, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of how we, uh, parenting has become a lot better, I think, in the years since maybe I grew up, where it was a more of a kids are seen and not heard kind of thing. And you were just kind of dragged place to place versus empowering uh, somebody in their feelings in their experience, but also providing both boundaries and and guidelines. And um, as I see myself as a guide, helping him understand his feelings. And uh, so he can be that kid that helps others. And so I'm very preoccupied with that right now. And I think one of the wonderful things about my work is it gives me a break because I'm good at my work, right? Like I can walk in and I can, just knock the photos out of the park, you know, and just be like, oh, that's so good, you know, like, wow, that's a great picture. Look at the composition and the kids looking this way and the parents going this way and, oh, you know, look at the movement, you know, and then I go back into parenting and I'm like, oh, my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. How can I handle this? You know, what what, what did I just do there and how can I improve that next time, you know, and then, oh. I get a reprieve from that, you know, and then I get to go into my studio again and be like, oh, so good, you know, look at that, what a great picture, you know. So I, right now my work is this oasis of, of I don't know, calm and, mm-hmm. and uh, confidence mm-hmm. because in so many other aspects of my life, I feel like, oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. have so much to learn right now. What a great capture. You know, what a great capture, number one, of parenting, no matter, no matter how many children you have. And I think it's possibly even more magnified when you have one, because you have this overarching belief that there's a right way to do this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just part of what lives in the space that there has, there's a right way of doing this. And the... Wow. coupled with it's completely on on the job there's no there's no way to actually be prepared for this particular human being except for having that bond with this being from the very beginning that is very helpful at preparing well, you yeah and, and he's got some neurodiversity so you know which is wonderful you know his brain is like incredible and at the same time, it's like so hard sometimes. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do here? I totally yeah. messed up. Oh, man. You know? Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's so amazing, you know. Right. Uh, right. When you see this little guy be that empathetic guy, yeah. you know. Uh, there really um, is nothing like parenting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really phenomenal. It's really, really phenomenal. Well, you chose to have your guy a little later in life. Oh, yeah, I did. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh, man. I had my son at 46, 
I was told, I, so how do I say this? I was working so hard. I was just like, there is no way I can have a kid. I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for anything, really. I, I, I was never ready for marriage, you know, and all my friends in their 20s were getting married. I was like, ah, no way, man. I'm going out. I'm traveling. I'm getting schooled. I'm doing stuff, you know. Why would I? That just seems like such a trap. And it would have been a trap for me. And um, yes. not for everybody, but it would have been a trap for me. So I uh, did everything backwards, I say. So, you know, I bought the house, and I found the guy, and, and then I was ready to have a kid come And I was, you know, I'm very honest with my lack of fertility. I was told by kind of an insensitive doctor, oh, yeah, you know, you won't be able to have your own kid. You're going to have to have an egg donor. So that was devastating. Fry, yeah. fry, fry. Yeah. Like, oh. Sure. So I'm, here I am photographing all these beautiful pictures of pregnant mm. women. I was like, well, screw that. So I quit. And what, 12 years ago? I was like, forget wow. it. I yeah. closed my studio, yeah. and if anybody wanted me to work for them, I had to, you know, I, my rates were very high, so I was like, I, this is torture. So anyway, and then I decided I walked across Spain. Oh, so I closed my studio. you did the Camino de Santiago? Alone. I am doing it in September, not the entire one. I'm so excited. Oh, we're going to have to talk, but I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Eight <laughs> weeks, man. Wow. So I didn't, I was like full of anxiety and I was just walking my dog around and around and around. And my friend who I met, who I just met, I don't really see her much anymore, but she goes, you know, you can walk and actually go somewhere, right? I was like, what? <laughs> she goes, yeah, there's this thing called the Camino. You know, nobody, it really didn't have an awareness in our, our consciousness here in the States. But I was like, well, that sounds great. You know, there was no books about it, maybe one so I was just like, she told me what to pack, and I left. Wow. Wrote my will, didn't think I'd come back, but, you know, wow. I did. <laughs> of course I survived. I mean, all along the way, there are people who don't survive. You see crosses. People have heart attacks all the time, so it's rain. <laughs> um, that first, you know, hike from, if you're, I don't know where you're starting, but I started in Saint-Jean, uh, uh, like in France, on the French side of the Pyrenees, mm. and hiked through the Pyrenees. Mm. That was hell. And you see dead crosses of marking people who have died along the way. So you're like, oh, hmm, that's probably not where I'll start. <laughs> yeah. So that was hard. We're going to do Portugal and Spain, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, it's Spain. You know, I don't, or you're, you're going to start in Spain, right? Because it goes into Spain. Yeah, I think so. So anyway, there's a bunch of different routes. So I did the main one because I was traveling alone and I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't really read about it either. I was like, all right, well, here we go. Um, and it was a great journey. And then I came back and I was like, all right, well, I know I want to have a kid. Mm -hmm. So a client offered me an embryo. Hmm. I still talk to them today. Um, we ended up not using that embryo, but we did use a donor egg. Orson knows his story, but he doesn't really get it, um, which is fine. He will, but it's his story. And um, we did do a donor egg and my partner's sperm, and I was able to give birth to Morrison. I had a midwife for the first half until, as she said, you had a home birth, a hospital birth, and a C-section all in oh, one baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> I labored for four days. It was horrible. But, oh, you know, wow. I mean, whatever I tried, she tried. We tried. Yeah. Um, it was very, very painful. No medication since, since I dilated for a very long time. And then oh, we ended man. up 
having a C-section. So, you know, and the anesthesiologist said, why did you wait so long? You know, I'm like, oh my God. I said, because I want to have a natural birth. Like, get out of here. I can't stop. Um, and so I have my son. And, wow. uh, you know, I'm grateful for him every oh. day. And I'm also grateful that I waited. Yes. Grateful yes. that I'm my age. You know, it makes it very challenging to connect with other parents because I'm older than them at least by 10 years. But that's okay. Oh. I have friends and other, probably, you know. But, um, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. That, it is so important for people to take time to reflect on what fits for them and not yeah. be in such a hurry. I don't, I don't see the hurrying quite as much these days uh, yeah. at all. <laughs> I see much more of wanting to actually be much more undefined about things all the way around when it comes to relationships. And a, lot of, and, a lot of women are saving their eggs or freezing mm -hmm. their eggs. I've mm -hmm. talked to numerous women. Oh, that was such a good idea. I wish I, I would have done that too. And in Asia, I believe it's Singapore, they pay you the free trips. They mm -hmm. do it for you. Because mm -hmm. so many women are career women in the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fascinating. And I believe, I, I was contemplating having another baby at 50, but I decided not to just because I didn't have the support of my partner. But mm. I believe that's the fastest growing group of women, mothers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it still is a very small percentage, but it is mm -hmm. when you look at it now. It's still growing. But, yes. And do you feel, so obviously you have shared so openly about having your son and the wonderfulness about it, but how else do you think it might have changed you in all other ways besides the challenges of really being that mama? Do you think there was uh, any Oh, how is, how is having my son changed yes. me? Oh, so much. Um, slowing down, mm. sitting with him. Getting so much joy in such little moments. Yeah. Um, and I guess just being in a way that I didn't experience as a child. Mm. Just being with him and finding out, you know, playing games with him. Mm -hmm. All kinds of just the small moments are the biggest joy, bring the biggest joy. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of outdoor stuff with him. I take him hiking, which he sometimes likes. I take him camping, which we love, you know. Mm -hmm. And I try, I, there's so many things that I want to do. And so it's so fun to take him with, you know. That is great. I love that. I love that so much. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. It, part of his life. In fact, after this, I am volunteering to to because it's COVID. You can't go into the classroom, and I want to observe dynamics um, because he is a little bit neurotypical. So I'm volunteering to do lunch because that's the only way I can get in. To have me there. Yay! That is terrific. So that is terrific. So he is in um, some specialized uh, programs then, is what I'm hearing? Not yet. Oh, no, no. Um, we have, oh, because of COVID, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, he was in a forest school and I homeschooled him for kindergarten because I, my kid is not going to sit and thrive well on Zoom. 
Mm -hmm. At that point in his life, there was just too much stuff going on for him. So we had to kind of get the mind settled a little bit. So we ended up going to our local public school. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's a great fit, but it has helped a lot, give some stability and alleviate a lot of the anxiety that he's experienced due to all the change and all the, you know, COVID and all the crazy stuff that went in the White House in January. Like, all the crazy Mm -hmm. has impacted our children. I mean, it's like, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge this, you know? And so he's, you know, for me, again, it goes back to community and having this huge community that he knows and he knows is there for him. So I take him everywhere and I make sure he has playdates and I make sure we have the families over and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, are we getting, I, I think that we're getting, getting close to mm-hmm. the end of I our time so. together. So I, but I just wanted to say, is there anything else that we didn't get to that you would no. like to leave us with or share? No, I don't know, you know. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to think about midwives and how how much respect I have for midwives and how they've been so supportive of me and my work. And I, I just, so many people along the way have been supportive of me and my work. Mm-hmm. That even when 90% of the voices were like, what? <laughs> Nobody's going to pay you to do that. It was the 10%. And the midwives were in that. Yeah. And other, you know, women who sold pregnant women were in that, who were like, that's really important. That's good work. You know, and I think one of the things that if I'm talking to myself, it's like, don't let them talk you out of doing something that you think that you believe in. Exactly. I wouldn't be here if I listened to everybody tell me nobody's going to pay you to be photographed and naked and pregnant. You know, yeah. But I, I also was that. a woman coming up in a world that would not be as accepting of a male doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But it was women who thought that it was kind of a completely nuts idea, and it was. But just looking forward and trying to figure out what's my next step, I don't know where I'm going. I'm sort of in a period in my life, as you saw, with the sandwich generation, and mm-hmm. just trusting that at the end of this, you know. I have my work, you know, it's my oasis right now. My mm-hmm. photos and my photography and my studio, things like that is really, has always carried me. Yeah. yeah. You know, the women have always carried me. Mm-hmm. The women I walk in and meet in the studio, I could be having the worst day in the world. They have always helped me mm-hmm. as much as they, I've helped them. Well, I would and I'm say. I'm in a period now where I need their help, you know. Well, and that that is reflective of how we all need each other. We really do, and I have, am a great, great appreciation of the fact that you've had shared this time with us today. I'm oh, very, you. very love and admire the work that you do, and I send you my heart, my prayers to be with your dad as he departs and the accommodations for your mama and all those things that come into your lives in the sandwich generation. And what I would love to do is have you let people know the best way to get a hold of you. Oh, okay. 
So I, I would say the website is the best. It's uh, jenniferloomis.com, J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-L-O-O-M-I-S.com, all one word. There's email on there, phone, Instagram, or whatever. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. And I'm so appreciative of you, Roxanne. You're just still that sunny, sunny smile that's just so unconditional and supportive. And as you've, you know, as we've grown through the years, you know, we're still that stable, beautiful force that you always were. But you haven't changed. It's so nice. (laughs) Thank you so much. And, And thank you again for your generosity of time in this interview. Thank you so much. You bet. We'll see each other soon. I'm counting on it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Now we'll end the program with one of Jennifer's recent uh, musical likes, Capricali by In Exile. Hey, hey, hey. 